John chapter number 13. If you'll stand with us, verse number 1. The Bible said, Now therefore the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Verse 2. And supper being ended, the devil, having now put in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth up from supper and laid aside his garment, noticed this, and took a towel and girded himself. After that he poured, poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not to save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. For he knew that, but for he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, Ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you. You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as, so, as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happier ye if... You do them. Heavenly Father, I ask you to bless now the reading of thy word. Have your will in your way. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to preach a few minutes tonight on this subject on take up your towel. Amen. Take up your towel. When we come to this texture tonight, these first 30 verses of this chapter uh, deals with a table and then it deals with a towel and then a traitor. In verses 1 through 3 we see the table. In verses 4 through 7 we see the towel. And then in verses uh, 18 through 30 uh, we see the traitor. And so Jesus is emphasizing here in this text uh, at the table he's emphasizing this towel. We'll say much about that here in just a moment but notice with me in verse number one we find here is Jesus is sitting at the table some very interesting things that we learn about him we learn about his facts in verse number one the facts of his death and his departure as the Bible said now uh, before the feast of the Passover when Jesus knew that his hour was come that he should depart out of this world unto the father having loved his own which were in this world he loved them unto the end so we see his facts here in verse number one as the Bible signifies uh, uh, that the hour is come. You remember when Jesus told Mary uh, my hour has not yet come but here in verse number or verse number one of chapter 13 the fin finally his hour has come. It is Tuesday at sunset and we know that it's just as preparation day. It is the 14th day of, of Nisan and so uh, it is the day of the crucifixion and Jesus is getting ready at sunset he's getting ready to go to the cross here he understands that he is going to leave this world and so we see his facts he knows uh, what's about to happen you know Jesus never went to the cross and had to figure out Calvary 
amen, that Calvary was not an accident. It was not an afterthought in the mind of God. It was not a plan B, but God knew before the foundations of this world, and so did his son, amen. He set his face toward Jerusalem like a flint. Why? Because his meat was to do the will of him that sent him. So Jesus was fully aware of everything that was taking place. We see his facts, and then we see his feelings in verse number one. I think this is interesting. In spite of what he knew, it did not change his feelings about those that were there. The Bible talks about in this verse a past love and a present love and a promised love. As the Bible said that having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Isn't that wonderful to know? You see, Calvary did not strain the love of Christ, but Calvary only displayed the love of Christ. Amen? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God gave his son and the son gave his life. Amen. You know why he did that? Because the Bible says in 1 John chapter 2 we love him because he first loved us. Amen. He told the nation of Israel yea in the book of Jeremiah I have loved thee with an everlasting love and I'm glad that he loves me and he loves you and he loved them and he loved them to the very end. Amen. And so we see his facts. We see his feelings. And then when we get to verse 3, we see his foe. As the Bible mentions here, the meal and supper being ended. And boy, there's a great monster here, the devil having now put in the heart of this man by the name of Judas Iscariot. Notice the motive in verse number 3 is to betray him. I want to tell you, if you live for God, you're going to face some betrayal in this walk of life. If you're faithful to God and you serve God and you do what's right and you live for him, somewhere's along life's way. There's going to be somebody that's going to turn their back on you. There's going to be somebody that's going to betray you. But I'll tell you, in that hour of betrayal, it did not deter Jesus from the will of God. He did not get bitter. He did not get angry. In fact, he called that man his friend. Amen. You know why? Because friendship in the life of Jesus did not depend on how others treated him, but how he treated others. Amen. I'm telling you, you won't blow out and you won't listen. Get out when somebody betrays you. If you remember that what you're doing, you're not doing it for them, but you're doing it for him. You're doing it to be in the will of God. And we find here his foe. Jesus had enemies uh, and they followed him all the way to the cross. Uh, And you and I are going to have enemies in this walk of life. We see his foe. But thank God in verse number three, we see his future. Amen. Notice the Bible said, Jesus knowing. I'm interested in what Jesus knows in this verse. Because in this verse, he knew that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God. He knew of those possessions that the Father had given all things in his hands. He knew of his place that he would come from God. He was God in the flesh. He knew of his passing that he went to God. He knew where he was going when he left this world. Hey, I want to say tonight, everything I've got, God gave to me. Amen. I want to say tonight, 
fact, I'm glad that I've been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And I know where I'm going when I leave this walk of life. Thank God I'm passing from death unto life. And the future for a child of God, it just looks better and it just looks brighter. Amen. I'm telling you, some golden daybreak, Jesus is going to come and we're leaving this world and we're going to the glory world. Hallelujah. And this evening as we think about it in this text, uh, what's interesting to me is what takes place in verse number four. That in spite of who Jesus was and in spite of what he knew, look what he did. He riseth from supper, laid aside his garment, and he took a towel and girded himself. Jesus in verse number four is taking on the ministry of a slave. This is the job of a household slave to wash the feet of those that came in. Jesus takes up the towel. It reminds me of Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 3 when the Bible said to let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And then the Bible said in verse 5 to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Here it is. Uh, who being in the form of God, that's verse number 3, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, that's verse number 3 but took upon him the form of a servant that's verse number four was made in the likeness of man and being found in fashion as a man here's verse number four again he humbled himself he became obedient unto death that's the context of the scripture even the death of the cross wherefore God also hath highly exalted him verse nine and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every every knee should bow of things in heaven of things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. I'm telling you in this text here tonight what we have is a perfect and a pure example of what real humility is. Amen. I'm telling you the way up with God is down. Isn't that right? But pride and grace never dwell in the same place. And if you and I are going to be what God wants us to be, we're going to have to be holy. But we're going to also have to be humble. Amen. That's what the Bible says in 1 Peter 5 and verse number 6. He said, humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. In the book of James chapter number 4 and verse number 6 the Bible said, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Amen. I'm telling you if you want God's blessing on your life, if I want God's blessing on my life then we've got to be humble. Humble, amen. Not a lot of that nowadays, is there? The world has accepted, even the church world, has accepted pride at an all-time high. And here in this text tonight, I want you to notice three things concerning when Jesus takes up this towel. You and I are to take up our towel tonight. And when Jesus takes up his towel in verse number four, down to verse number, through verse number five, what we have is a demonstration of humility. The Bible said he riseth up from supper. And notice here what he laid aside. He laid aside his garment. 
I want to tell you tonight, if you and I are going to demonstrate humility, you know what we've got to do? We've got to lay aside our garment. I'm not talking about taking your clothes off. Somebody say amen. Hey, we got enough of that going on in this world. What I'm talking about, this old garment of the flesh, amen? We've got to lay aside this flesh. You see, this flesh likes to build itself up. This flesh likes, I'm talking about my flesh. I'm talking about your flesh. My flesh wants to be in the forefront. My flesh has an ego problem. My flesh tonight uh, wants to be number one. That's the flesh. Uh, My flesh wants to sit on the throne uh, of my life. Uh, My flesh wants to be pampered. It wants to be pitied. Uh, It wants a prize. Uh, That's just the flesh tonight. Uh, And if you and I are going to be what God would have us to be, we got to lay this flesh aside. You say, how do you do that, preacher? You got to crucify it. You got to put it in its rightful place. Uh, That's where Paul said, and I died daily. Amen. You've got to have a funeral every day of your Christian life. You've got to put yourself on the cross and you've got to reckon yourself dead. The Romans chapter 6 says, in order to live for God. You know why some people don't have any victory? Because they let the flesh rule and reign in their life. They let the flesh have full control. They let the flesh control their mind, control their heart, control their ambitions. But Jesus, he laid aside this garment here. I'm going to tell you before he laid this garment aside, you know what he did? He laid aside that garment of glory, amen. Uh, Jesus, my friend, he didn't sin. Uh, he didn't have the problems. Uh, and listen, that you and I had, he conquered the flesh. Isn't that right? He kept the flesh intact. He kept the flesh in control. And Jesus lived uh, in the power of the Spirit. I want to say, my friend, he was willing to lay aside his glory and walk 33 and a half years uh, in this old sin-cursed earth. Uh, and you and I, while we walk through this earth, uh, we must lay aside our wants uh, our desires, our pride, our ambition, if we're going to be what God would have us to be. The demonstration of humility, he laid aside some things. Are you willing to lay aside some things to be low? Notice what he lifted up. He took up a towel. This was a tool of servitude. Jesus chose this towel. It represents service. His humility is demonstrated in what he laid aside and what he lifted up. Jesus didn't lift up a trophy. He lifted up a towel. Amen. Jesus didn't lift up a title, but he lifted up a towel. Jesus didn't lift up himself, but he lifted up a towel. Jesus didn't lift up his own ego, but he lifted up a towel. Jesus didn't lift up his accomplishments in life, but he lifted up a towel. He didn't list everything that he did. He didn't pat himself on the back. He didn't sound a trumpet for all to hear. No, he took up a towel. He took up what nobody else was wanting to do, what others would not be willing to do. Hey, the question in my life and yours uh, is not if I'm willing to be successful, but am I willing to be a servant? Am I willing to lower myself uh, and put myself under another brother and do what God has asked me to do? What he laid aside, what he lifted up. And I noticed, my friend, in the demonstration of this humility is seen in where he labored beneath. Because the Bible said he girded himself and after that, notice this, he poureth out water into a basin. Watch this. He began to wash the disciples' feet. The lowest part, the dirtiest part of their body, Jesus got to the lowest point. And the Bible says, and to wipe them 
with a towel with her. He was girded. Jesus got lower than those that were at the table. The, serve, the, the Lord gets lower than the servant. Tonight, if you and I, real Christianity is seen in what we're willing to do when it comes to humility. Humility is not seen tonight in talent. It's not seen in even testimony. It's easy to get up and testify about how humble you are. But nobody believes that. I've seen people do it. They're proud that they're humble. Amen. I want to say tonight, listen, uh, real spirituality and humility is not seen in a, in, a, in a title or it's not even seen in tears. Some people ought to go and they ought to apply to work at Hollywood because uh, they can cry at the drop of a hat. I mean, listen, they, it's like pressing a button, amen? And then some people know how to fake cry. They sound like they're crying. The only problem is there's no tears falling down, amen? I mean, you know what I'm saying? They could go work on one of them soap operas somewhere, you know, and one of them sad tear jerking stories uh, because they know how to cry but it's false humility isn't that right uh, there's no reality to it uh, you're getting your reward as you stand there real humility is not seen in tears now I think tears can be a form of humility I tell you humility comes from within uh, it comes from the heart it comes when we don't want to let the left hand know what the right hand doeth it comes when we don't need to sound a trumpet it comes when we're satisfied at being second amen it comes or even third or fourth or fifth it comes when we would rather praise a brother versus praising ourselves. It comes when we seek no glory. We seek no title. Hey, the demonstration here of humility is that Jesus got lower than anybody in the room. Am I willing to do that tonight? How low will you go to be used of God? You know, I think it's good to have ambitions. But you young people hear me tonight. Don't flaunt any ability God gives you. Don't promote yourself. I'll tell you, you want to grieve the Holy Spirit in the church, you, you start letting it get getting clicks in the church. Come on now. Competition. People trying to outdo one another. Somebody trying to be the best. A ringleader. You know what to do with a ringleader? Throw them out of the ring. Amen. No ringleaders here. Isn't that right? I'm telling you, no squads here. Can I get an Amen. Fellowship, uh, uh, just getting along, everybody being together, uh, everybody serving together, everybody working together. Uh, you can have a best friend if you need a BFF in life, help yourself, amen. I'll tell you the best BFF you're ever gonna have is the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. And if you ever grow up spiritually, amen, uh, you'll learn to function in fellowship. Uh, I mean, I love everybody, don't you? Uh, and we get along with everybody. Uh, but my friend, there's some people they got to hook the umbilical cord up to somebody in life. You know why? Because they've never learned how to lean on the Lord and walk with Him. Amen? They've got to go from person to person, from person to person, and all they're doing is destroying and dividing when they do that. I'll tell you, when you walk with God and you lean on His shoulder, you realize He's given us a lot of good family. He's given us a lot of good friends. Oh, but there is a friend tonight that satisfies that sticks closer than a brother. Hallelujah. He's enough. The demonstration of humility. Would you be willing to get very low tonight? Would I be willing to get low tonight? 
And then there's the discussion of humility. Peter, I'm not going to pick on Peter in this text because Peter really says what the other disciples are thinking. He's really saying what everybody at the table is thinking about. Notice with me in verse number six, the reaction, then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, didst thou wash my feet? Notice the reply, Jesus answered and said unto him, what I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. There's the refusal. My Peter, in verse number eight, Peter saith unto him, thou shalt never wash my feet. Notice how Jesus rebukes him. He answers and said, if I wash thee not, then thou hast no part with me. Now the readiness of Peter, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. He said, wash me all over, Lord. And then there's the revelation. Jesus says, he that is washed neither not to save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and you're clean. But not all Judas was there. Jesus says the revelation is this, that Calvary and the blood will cover it all. Amen. Faith will do its work that needs to be done. They look to the cross. We look back to the cross. But neither does it matter which side you're on. The cross in the middle, my friend, is what does it all for all of humanity. It's what Jesus did at the cross. But what he says here, my friend, that if I don't wash your feet, then you'll have no part. The discussion is simply this, the flesh struggles with humility. The flesh does not understand humility. Simon was his earthly name. Simon was his, uh, his old name. Peter was the name that Jesus gave unto him. It was his faith name. But notice the Bible says in verse number six, then cometh he to Simon Peter. That flesh and that spirit has a controversy. That, f- that, that spirit's willing to walk by faith and understands humility. But that fleshly side of man struggles with humility. I'll tell you something not about humility. It don't come natural for none of us. Don't let nobody fool you. We're not naturally humble. This flesh doesn't want to, you know, and how foolish it is of my flesh to feel that I'm entitled to anything ever when the flesh is rotten to the core. You know, we dress it up, and thank God we do. We ought to dress it up, Amen. I'm not against makeup on a lady. I mean, I don't think she ought to wear enough, you know, to, to paint an F-250 with it, you know. But I mean, but I'm not against makeup. And, and if you don't wear makeup, I'm not against that. You do whatever. I'm not against a lady fixing her hair. I mean, you know, I, I thank God that women want to take care of themselves. Amen. Nobody wants to be married to an ugly woman. Just say amen right there. You know, a, a little bit of paint and a little bit of Bondo and a little bit of dye. I mean, you can take, you know, it fit to help some people, you know. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> some of y'all can't take that, can you? I don't know what you need. I'm just telling you, take care of yourself. Isn't that right? But you know tonight, when you think about it, this old flesh is falling apart. I'll tell you tonight, go ahead and do what you want to about your wrinkles, whatever you need to. But they're going to keep coming. By all that cream, I, you know, I've always wondered if all that cream, you know, I, if it really works. Hey, go out there and, you know, buy all that cream. You know, they say re- revitalize. I mean, like, come on. 
Go ahead and take it on. I mean, help yourself, but I just don't have no confidence in it. And all that kind of stuff, it revolutionized. You ever seen anybody that they put cream on and the next day you saw them, you didn't recognize them because they looked so good? No, you didn't. I'm not saying it won't work, but it just don't work the way they want you to think it works. Amen? It don't work $100 a bottle. Come on now. Amen? Work. That's not, it ain't working that good. Amen? But go ahead and try a little something, you know? Uh, help yourself wherever you can, whatever you can. But I'm here to tell you tonight, uh, his flesh is falling apart. His flesh is rotten. Amen? His flesh is wicked. Amen? I'm telling you, you go a week without a bath. You go three days without a bath. You go 24 hours without out of path, uh, you'll find out how rotten the flesh really is. Uh, I'm telling you, it's going back to the dirt from where it came from. And it's good for us to be reminded of that. It's repulsive to the flesh, uh, but we ought to be reminded. Uh, you know what we are tonight? We're just a bunch of nothings. Uh, we're a bunch of nobodies. Uh, we're a speck of dirt. Uh, and God pulled out of a dunghill somewhere. Uh, and I don't even understand why he'd even want to love us and put up with us. Uh, but he does. Amen. Uh, and it ought to just bring me to myself. Amen. The reality of who I really am is an ugly picture. But I'd rather the Lord let me see myself for who I am. And it takes the Holy Ghost as for the devil and the flesh to fool me tonight. The discussion of humility. And then finally notice this with me and we'll be through tonight the declaration of humility. When you get to verse 11, Jesus makes a proclamation, you're not all clean. Talking about Judas. He talks about a practice in verse number 12. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said, know ye what I have done to you. Finally, he mentions his position. You call me master and Lord and you say, well, for so I am. But watch the principle. If I then, your Lord and Master have washed your feet. Ye also ought to wash one another's feet. The purpose in verse 15, for I've given you an example, that ye should do, I underline this little phrase, that ye should do as I've done to you. You know, I thought about that. Many times God's washed my feet. There's been times when the Lord did things in my life that so humbled me. Have you ever had that happen to you? God had blessed you in such a way that it just, it really caused you to think of how unworthy you are. <clears throat> you, would, <clears throat> you would say, we're not worthy of anything, but <clears throat> sometimes, like Brother Brian was talking about, God will bless you in such a way that it'll cause you to step back and say, God, why? Why did you do that for me? Like Ruth when she was in that field. Why have I found grace in thy sight? Just like when we think about God, why the goodness of God leadeth us to repentance. Oh, I'll tell you tonight, I'll be the first to tell you, I need God to knock me off the high horse. From time to time, it's good to have the rug jerked out from under you. My flesh don't like that tonight. It's good sometimes for, to hear a sermon, read a text, Hear a testimony that just reminds you of how worthless you really are. How sorry and low down this old stuff we're wrapped up in tonight is. 
I don't like to think that way, but look at his perspective in verse number 16. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant, that's who we are, is no greater than his Lord. Neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. You know, our church world tonight is so corrupted by pride, performance, and prestige. When singers set a, a fee to come sing in a church. And then they come in and they don't worship, but they perform. They tell the same old corny jokes. They put on the same show everywhere they go. It's a performance. There's nothing wrong. If you want to go down and pay $15 on a Saturday night and have good, clean fun, there's nothing wrong with that. But I'll tell you when it's church time, there's no place for performance. But I'll tell you what's worse than that. Sometimes in church you'll get that, won't you? Somebody will get up and, and I'm glad it doesn't happen here. Pray that it never does. But you ever been in a service where they introduce every single song that gets sung? Drives me crazy. You know, just sing the song. Can I get a witness on that? We don't need an introduction. We don't need a history. If I want to know, oh, and there's nothing, there's time to give a testimony about a song, but I'm telling you, I've been where choir leaders would do that. Special singers. If I want to study songs, I'll, I'll go get a hymn book, amen, or I'll get on the internet. But I'm telling you, you know, it's just so much stuff that God ain't got a thing to do with. I'll tell you tonight, Jesus makes a prescription in verse 17. If you know these things, look what he says. Happy are ye if you do them. You know what humility brings? It's, the flesh hates it. But humility brings happiness. You think about it tonight. Prideful people are miserable people. People that are full of themselves. You know what they do? Most of the time they run other people down. They spend most of their conversation telling you everything they've done. Amen. And nothing really makes them happy in life. You can't satisfy a prideful person. When you are the best and you have the best and everything you got's the best, then nothing's going to ever satisfy you. But I tell you, you take a servant. You take somebody that's low. You take somebody that's humble. They're happy. When you're low, the expectations in your life are not very high. And you're just glad to be a part of whatever's going on. You remember when you got saved, how it was like that? You're just glad to be a part. You don't feel entitled to nothing. We don't feel like we deserve nothing. We don't feel like we've earned nothing. We don't, we don't feel like we have a right to anything. But well, we sure are glad God let us in on it. I thank God for the day he let me get in on it, don't you? Don't you thank God that he passed by your way? Hey, take one second and walk down memory's lane. You remember where he picked you up at? Remember how your life was when he picked you up? So I just a little old kid in church. Yeah, well, look where you're at tonight. Look where God's brought you from. Look what God's done in your life tonight. Look where you, where you, where you think you ought to be at tonight. 
Think where you could be at tonight. You know how many people grew up in church or not even in church tonight? But here you are sitting in church on a Sunday night in the house of God. I'm telling you, think about all the places you could be, the places we deserve to be. I'm telling you, I ought to be in jail tonight. I, I, I ought to be in hell tonight. I ought to be burning hell. It's so full. The Bible said it's enlarged itself beyond measure. And I ought to be one of those uh, billions upon billions upon uh, bazillion souls that's in hell tonight. And I to be me. That, that ought to be you. And if I was, you know what? God would still be God. Heaven would still be heaven. Jesus would still be Jesus. And eternity would roll right on uh, with me burning in the charred walls of the dam. Uh, I'm telling you, I don't understand tonight why God, when there's eight billion people on planet earth, uh, why it ever even stop by my address, uh, ever even come by my way, uh, ever look upon me. But the truth is tonight, he thinks more about me than I think about him. He looks at us constantly. We're always on his mind. We may forget him, but he never forgets us. I'm telling you, we're nothing, and he's everything, and we ought to bless his name. We ought to glorify him that we could praise a holy God ought to thrill us tonight. Amen. Ought to not even be able to raise my hand. You ever seen people who couldn't raise their hand? Never forget going to school with a girl that didn't have no arms. And she came to school every day in a wheelchair. She didn't have no arms. She had some little nubs. Can you imagine life with no arms? But God gave you a hand. I don't ever... You don't have to do this tonight. I'm just telling you, it sure feels good. To, oh, bless. Oh, lift up your hands, Psalms 134. Oh, lift up your hands in the sanctuary. And bless the Lord, all ye people of the Lord. Who would ever thought just the raising of a hand could bless God? I'm talking about a God that says, I want to quit, but I don't want to quit. Okay, so hold on a second. I'm telling you what about a God that sits high in the lofty heavens tonight and he's got the angelic choir and he sits there and he's got those beasts and he's got those elders and they sing with a voice that never tires and is in perfect harmony a heavenly language that we know nothing about but yet in the midst of all of that in all that splendor in all that majesty in all of that glory guess what he looks down here on this sin cursed earth and he sees us sitting here tonight and God said I tell you what blesses me is every time somebody raises their hand in church and they raise it to me it blesses the heart of a holy God tonight amen God help us the immature Christian is the one that speaks first and speaks the loudest those who shout the loudest often change the quickest, don't they? But them steady, spirit-filled saints, you're not getting a word out of them just so quick and easy. But when they say something, they say something. Amen tonight. That's humility. Walking with God. Brother Jack, I love it when Brother Jack testifies, don't you? And Sister Barbara. 
Benny May, you testified today. Wasn't that a blessing? Sister Cape, she's always a blessing. I get a blessing when she just says something at the back door. Amen. But you know, they, they're humble servants of God, aren't they? A lot to be learned from them and others that are here tonight. But I ask you this question tonight. And I'll, I'll be honest, they ain't one of us tonight to say we're humble enough. I know that, but, but I don't want pride. I don't want pride to overtake me. I, never, I don't want to ever think that I'm good at anything because we're not. I'm going to tell you, if God don't bless the song, it'll never take off. If he don't touch the sermon, it'll just bore a hole in everybody. And if he don't breathe on the service, ain't nothing going to happen.